Before we start the show, I want to tell you about Serve HQ. Every church leader knows that having trained and engaged volunteers is essential to successfully accomplishing your mission. But if you're like most leaders, you also know how tricky it is to be onboarding and equipping people for your team. What if there was a resource to make it easier? Let me recommend Serve HQ to you. Serve HQ is simple video training courses that help you equip volunteers and develop leaders. You can create your own training or use their video library. You can even automate next steps to onboard new people. Check it out at servehq.church and the link will be in the show notes. That's servehq.church. Now on to the show. Now, I wanted to kill the myth. Like, I am not the hero in my story. I am not the one. Jesus is the hero in my story. He's the one that I rely on, that I lean on. And when you see me on a platform and when you see me sing Jaira, right, and, that, and saying God is enough, when you see me singing that I'm already loved, that I'm already chosen, when you see me singing um, great is your faithfulness to me and I'll still bless you, I'm saying that from a place where I need to believe it myself. I'm not singing it because everything is good now. And so I believe that my role as a worship leader is to help people worship where they are, not from a place that is beyond them, but I am there too. Yes, in it. I think that's how you model behavior. And that allows really Jesus to be our actual worship leader. And we get to co-labor with our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And be there and go, got it. Hi friends, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is season nine, episode one. Today on the podcast, we have Naomi Range. You would probably know her from her collaborations with Maverick City. So thank you so much to our sponsors who are making this possible. To Serve HQ, you can train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online fast and easy with Serve HQ. Compassion Canada, lifting children from poverty in Jesus' name. And the Scripture Untangled podcast. More on them later. But if you're new to this channel, you're new to this podcast, and you're looking for more content, we have a whole back catalog of tutorials and podcast episodes with all kinds of people that you are probably reading and learning from. We'd love you to get those resources on our YouTube channel. The Digital Church Facebook group is also where we hang out a ton. But let me tell you a little bit about Naomi Rain before we dive into the conversation with her. Naomi Rain was born in New York, and she grew up singing in church. She's now part of Maverick City Music, as well as a worship pastor in her local church in New York area. And she's earned multiple awards, including a Billboard Musical Award, a Dove Award, a Stellar Award, and a Grammy Award. She's known for her songs like Gyra and Promises, but she loves coming back home to her husband and her kids. And secretly, actually, she's a trained chef. You're going to love this conversation with Naomi as we dive into what worship is today how she's grappling with being more well-known, grappling with the awards, the accolades, the crowds, and what God is teaching her, what she thinks is going on in the church in this very unusual season that we're in. So enjoy this conversation with Naomi Rain. Naomi Rain, welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm so glad to have you. 
Thank you. I'm so glad to be here, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really just a pleasure to to have you on the podcast. And um, just uh, a few months ago, you were in my town, and uh, you did. You guys did a show in Toronto. I was there. Yes. Um, oh, were you? I'm sure you saw me. You know, in whatever there were thousands of people. It was fun to be there. Yeah, it was really fun to be there. Um, yeah. So let's start. Let's start there. How's touring going? Are you in the midst of touring right now? Or are you on a break from? that where are you at I'm on a break um touring is really good but the way I describe touring is the way I describe childbirth you know it's like this amazing thing that you want because you want your children and you're so happy that you're gonna get a baby but also it's very uncomfortable Uh. and um and painful at times um but you have a lot of help to get the baby out and you know it's it's one of the best and worst things that could ever happen to me in my whole entire life. So, uh, <laughs> I love it, but I hate it. So yeah. yeah, I'm on a break right now. We I think we go back in November and and then that's pretty short. It's not as as long and I think we're going to do it a little better this time. Um so I'm excited about it. It's like the thing I can't live without without. I want to go back, but also when I get there I want to go home. Yeah. You know? Well, I and and I would imagine in some ways, I don't know if you ever went to a summer camp, but it's kind of like a four like you're kind of like almost in summer camp. What I mean is like you're spending all of your time with these people and you're sleep not sleeping in the same room necessarily, but you're in like very close quarters with all these other yes. people and uh, you're working together trying to accomplish something and <laughs> there's so many dynamics. It is summer, it is yes. summer camp. Yes, we're on a bus, <laughs> sleeping on a bus. <laughs> how is how is bus sleeping? Do you ever get used to it? I did. I yeah. like my bunk. I'm the type of person that when the sun comes out, I'm up. Mm. So because the bunks are, everything is pitch black. Dark. It is quiet. You're in a cocoon. And there's this noise canceling curtain that you put up so you can't hear the person snoring next to you. That's beautiful. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yes. It's, I mean, it's shaped and feels a little bit like a casket. So could be a little scary <laughs> for some. But um, I'm like, I love my bunk sleep. I, I get the best sleep on the bunk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it's sort of, it's one of those things where you go to sleep. It's like you go to sleep and then you wake up and you're in this whole new place. It's kind of, in that sense, kind of magic. But, but let's go back to, to what you're saying was like the part of the, probably the love hate with what you do is that you leave your family behind. Can you tell, tell us about your family? Let's, let's dive into that because that's a huge part of who you are and what you leave when you go out on stage. I mean, they're not physically out there with you. Yes, um, my husband, Jermaine, um, he and I have been married. We're going on 16 years, or is it 17? That's actually bad that I just forgot. Has to be, yeah, it's 16. Um, And my, how do you forget it it on a podcast? (laughs) This is not the time to forget. It's 16. I think I've been saying it so much that I'm like, oh, are we on 17 now? But um, and my three children, I have April, who is 16, my son, Caden, who is 13, and then my youngest son, Savion, who is eight years old. He'll be nine soon. And they are just amazing and really sweet, good kids. And we, you know, we have an unconventional life. We've, we're living this way. We're, um, mom is out 
um, I used to say sometimes, but mom is out a lot now and we just try to make it work. And so we're on our, our phones, we're FaceTiming and yeah. we're playing games, game pigeon all the time and um, just trying to keep connected. And I'm texting my daughter about different things and and I'm shopping through the internet and doing also and Uber <laughs> Eats. Mommy, can we order from Uber Eats? You know, so I'm not cooking, but I'm ordering on Uber <laughs> Eats. And yeah, you can send the Chick-fil-A to the kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's very different now. Oh, I love it. It's like it's very digital now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's good and we're we're making it work. And has this always been part of their life? Like as you've raised your kids, has like music, worship, travel, like, did they come with you when they were little? Um, they would, so I was more local before, but they used to always come with me to services and be in church. Like, you know, I grew up in church. I grew up in rehearsals. My parents were worship leaders and traveled in ministry. So I would travel with them sometimes and grew up in, so really they're living the life that I lived. Um, my parents did at some point give us more stability. So they wanted us to be home and have our own routine. And so we would stay with my grandmother or we would have a babysitter come and stay with us. Um, But then sometimes they would bring us out. So now Jermaine and I, um, we've he, because he's more of a home person, like he likes to be home and like more regimented than I am. I'm like the free spirit, like, oh, let's run and play and frolic. Bedtime, who cares about bedtime? That's me. Um, yeah. Until I'm tired, I'm like, all right, y'all, it's time for bed. But, um, you know, he's more like regimented. And so he, we've decided that in this season, they're going to more so stay home and have their routine. Um, but during summers and um, I think in this next upcom- upcoming year or two, they're going to start to travel with me a little more. Oh, cool. Cool. And um, so that's interesting that you kind of grew up in this life. Can you take us back? Maybe let's rewind a little bit. Take us into your own upbringing. What, what were your early memories of church and worship? It sounds like it's par- been part of your whole life. Yes. Um, I think the earliest memory I have was in a rehearsal. I just remember being underneath a pew, Hmm. um, laying down and listening to the songs, like listening to them sing um, these praise and worship songs. And I must have been, I had to have been like three um, at that time. I had to have been three. And my parents were there with their friends and they were in a group called Hosanna and they were just singing. It was rehearsal. And I remember wanting to stay there. And I, I, there's another memory I have of someone saying, Hey, like, do you want to take a trip? And it was the time, you know, as a kid, you're like, I just want to get out of here. You know, you want to do a bunch of stuff. I remember going on the trip and thinking the whole time, like, well, I wonder what they're doing now. Like, I wonder what they're singing now. That was just, I just wanted to be in the room where worship and praise was happening. I can't say um, that it was such a spiritual thing for me at that time. I can't say it was like, you know, I was just in the presence of the Lord. But what I will say now as an adult, you know, I understand that that's what it was. I was groomed. I was raised in the presence of God. Um, Church wasn't a chore. It wasn't anything I was forced to do. I I wanted to go. It was Mm. where all my friends were. It was where all my family was. Um, It was where everything that was happening was happening. Um, And I was comfortable there. And I I remember my parents, my parents are songwriters as well. And they're singers. I remember being in my room, my bedroom for, I, I think from really my whole life, I would hear them practicing and rehearsing their songs and singing, um, 
worship song um songs this is the air i breathe you know um stuff like that like in the beginning to tracks you know we used to go to the yeah. christian bookstore and buy tracks and i used to sit in the in the booth and listen to the tapes and listen to what was coming out and what was new and try to sing the songs you know to the tracks um in the booth to see uh, which key i needed to sing it in um that was that was my whole life you know um singing worship and um there's a song that's coming to my head now that my parents wrote and it just it said it's good to know it's good to know that in spite of all you still love us and mm-hmm. that was that was my understanding my my comprehension of god that he he loves us that he loves to hear us sing to him and and worship him um together yeah mm-hmm. Makes me think as you're talking, I'm thinking, I don't know how familiar you are with Narnia, like the books about, you know, the the Chronicles of Narnia and Aslan the lion, who's like Mm -hmm. the Jesus character. And Lucy's this little girl in the stories. And when she comes back in the next book, you know, she says to, she says to Aslan the lion, you're bigger now. And Mm. Aslan kind of says, as you grow and get to know me, you'll find that I get bigger and bigger. Wow, and I love that. and I, I just that is as you're telling the story of your own journey, that's what struck me, that image. So does that resonate with you? Um, in what ways has God gotten bigger as you've gotten older? That really does resonate with me because I think I've been doing this for the last few days. I've, I have I've had to do a few interviews. And so, you know, it takes you back. Yeah. Because um, it's not like you're actively thinking of this stuff. I'm I'm moving through life, right, and moving forward. But I think when you begin to look back, when I begin to look back, I can see that what I thought was just this was actually him. But uh. my understanding is different. I'm seeing things a little clearer, a little more clearly now. Um, And so I just feel like there's a clarity and a sharpness of my vision of him, but it was God like the whole time. And um, it was him preparing me, um, but not, yes, I was being prepared in the natural for all that I'm doing now, but I felt like he was preparing my heart to know him, if that makes sense. Like he was, it was like an introduction, like, oh, like we're just getting to know each other. And um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, and and in some ways when we uh, get older, there's stuff we realize that isn't so good or like, um, you know, you can get jaded about some stuff or mm-hmm. you see like there, nothing about church is perfect, you know? Right. And, and, and also like, you know, when you like, I think when you came to Toronto, you, you guys were here with Kirk Franklin, who's this mm-hmm. like legendary long-term let, you know, um, right. you know, in like in the music industry, like just epic level, um, you know, artist. And so, um, not just with him specifically, but in general, like how's it been as you've, um, in the last number of years have kind of been it uh, meeting maybe people that you, like you, like you're saying, like you're in the booth as a kid singing songs. And I would imagine you've probably met some of those people now. Uh, what, what has that been like? I can't imagine it's all good or all bad, but like, how has that been for you? Honestly? So, okay. I will say this. I am not a person that's very like starstruck and like, Mm. uh, like people. And I think that the Lord made me that way for a reason, because if I was, I would completely 
be like out of my mind every every week. I'd be like, oh my goodness, did you see that? You know, it would be difficult <laughs> to be focused in worship. I'd be like looking to the side, you know, my hands are lifted, but like, oh my God, do you see that? Um, so I'm not very like enamored with people, but I, there are a few. So I haven't met Darlene Sheck, but mm. if I did, I think she is someone that I would be like, fangirl. Yes, because it was just, it's just the little, you know, from being a little girl. Mm. Um, that's how I felt when I met Cece Winans. Mm. Like still, I'm still like on, like trying to be on my best behavior. Like when I'm talking <laughs> to her, I'm like, <laughs> because like, she's just one of those people yes. um, in my life um, that I've watched. Um, I, I mean, there are more, but I've, in this season, I've become friends with with people um and I think because the Lord had done like a lot of work with me like in the hidden places you know um where no one would see me and he was just processing me I I'm really when I come into a space I'm just there to like worship and I want to meet people and, and really just you know connect and so it has been a wonderful experience to meet the people behind the songs that I've been listening to but I think because I'm aware that we are all human. Like I'm aware of my own humanity. And yeah. when people meet me, they, you know, because of the tone of my voice or maybe what they are really picking up in the spirit, because it's not like I'm running around in, in a bunch of sin. Um, but they will be like, oh, you're so pure. You're so, you know, people will put things on you based on what they hear in your in your worship and almost in a way that almost excuses your humanity and overlooks just, you know, flaws, Idiosyncras idiosyncrasies and different things like that. But because I'm aware that the, you know, I'm like the phone, because that's where I listen to my music, the phone or the radio does that. It distorts things in a way where you kind of filter out people's humanity. Um, even with secular music, right? Even with music outside of the Christian space, we just, we just make people, it's like a fantasy, right? Of who they are. Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, we, we view these people as superhuman and benevolent and kind and good. And, but just by hearing their voices. And I think that that is just something that happens. So because I was aware of that, when I meet the people that I meet nowadays, I am like, I am a little geeked, you know, I'm like, oh my God, this is so cool. But it, I'm quickly like, these are people, you know? And so I'm like trying to see who the Lord's trying to connect me to for real, that we can actually have like camaraderie and be people, like be friends. Yeah. Um, and then others that we're just, you know, colleagues. And it's like, it's great to meet you. Uh, but it's not always easy. Not yeah. like Jen Johnson is one of those people. When I first met her, I was like, mum, 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 mum. you know, like <laughs> I just love her so much. Yeah. And now we're friends, you know. And so sometimes I still do pinch myself when we're sitting across each other having dinner. I'm like, Naomi, you're having dinner with Jen Johnson. Okay, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just, you know, play it cool. You know, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. But I really feel like God is I, every dream that I've had has really come true, honestly. Mm. Pausing the conversation with Naomi because I want to talk to you about a new podcast called Scripture Untangled. The Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, even hard to believe. Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. You can listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled wherever you listen to podcast episodes, including where you're listening to this one, Word Made Digital. So go listen to Scripture Untangled today.
Yeah. I just, out on training. <laughs> you know, we just, we just had the VMAs, uh, in, in the last number of days of mm-hmm. our time of recording. And there was some criticism of a few artists after like, well, you're not being a very good role model. And the artist spit back, like, I'm not trying to be a role model. I'm just trying to be an artist. Like I never asked to be a role model for your kid. Like, I, you know, but in the Christian world, it is a bit of a different thing. Because there's this different layer, like not only are are you the artist, the writer, the singer of the song, the performer, but there is sort of this expectation. And I think sometimes appropriate, but maybe sometimes really unfair, like, like about this perfect life or um, how do you, how do you handle that? How do you think of yourself when you think of the people who, who are looking up to you? Um you know, because you're not Lizzo. Like, this is Lizzo who said this. Lizzo's like, I'm not trying to be a role model. I'm just trying to be an artist. As in, like, don't get you, like, you should be the role model for your kids is basically right. what she's saying. I'm just trying to be an artist. And and how do you grapple and with I, that in, as a Christian? I agree with her. I agree with her for her. I go, Lizzo, I don't want you to be the role model for my kids. <laughs> yeah, right, and I'm right, not right. saying that from a judgmental place, but it's because I do want believers to be the role model for my for my children. I'm not sure if she's a believer or not, but what I see exemplified, that's not really what I want my, my child to um, follow. And I could probably get into a lot of trouble for saying that. But I mean, it is what it is. You know, drugs, alcohol, sex, not really the right. thing you want no, your teenager. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, thank you. I don't want my 16-year-old interest like you know watching that yeah but i will say as believers we're all all of us are supposed to live exemplary lives right and live above reproach and so i do think that there is something different for me i will be honest there's a lot of pressure i i felt it even before anybody said anything and i think it was because i'm a i'm a very like spiritual person and i'm not no new age stuff, the Holy Spirit. Like I, you know, I'm engaged with, you know, the Holy Spirit and I felt like I could feel people thinking it, saying it, talk, you know, you can kind of like feel like, oh no, there's all of a sudden this expectation to be something. And so my, my interest is I do want to live an exemplary life. I do want to, I hope that I can be a role model for people, but I don't want to be I don't want to live up to an expectation that's not realistic. I don't want to be an idol for anyone. I don't want to be um, the person that dictates the... I want to still be allowed to be human. You know what I mean? And so I think that there are... There are things that come with it on both the good side and the bad side. And I think that people will, you know, treat you better and, and follow you and do all of this stuff and almost treat you like, you know you're now more valuable than everybody else. I don't want to be treated like that. I And I, I appreciate honor, right? Because um, I'm a pastor as well. So I get some of that at church. Um, I want to be honored and I, I think it is good for people to honor. But I think when it gets excessive, it's not healthy and it's right. not okay. And so I'm not okay with that. And I also don't want the bad thing. So whereas if I do have a bad moment that now... Um, dragged through the mud, vilified, canceled. about canceled yeah. because I had a bad moment. Like the, my Bible says, I don't know what everybody else is reading, but my Bible says that you who are spiritual restore that person gently. If you find somebody in sin, you who are spiritual restore people gently. And I don't think that we, I don't think that we handle people well. Oh, I want to say something that's probably not good, but I just, I heard about somebody being disciplined in ministry um, 
and it's it felt very excessive. And I think that there's discipline doesn't look like just one thing. It doesn't look like you're out, you know? Um, I, I just think that there are ways because love covers a multitude of sin as well. And I think that there are ways to discipline that don't look like removing someone from ministry. And like, like, shame, ministry. like there's difference between correction and like shaming a person so they can't ever show up again. Right. Yeah. Ministry is not a reward for us. Ministry is what we do as Christians because mm-hmm. we are called to it, because we've been washed, we've been saved, we, we've we received this gospel. It is good news. And so now we share the good news. We don't, it's not that we get to share the good news because we're good, you know? And I yeah. think that we've missed that. Now there is, I do think, I'm sorry, I'm like going deeply no, it's into good. this. It's good. But I do think that there is a higher standard for teachers right? That God holds us to. And I do believe that when elders get together and make a decision about how a teacher should move forward or maybe not move forward, they are doing that hopefully under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And maybe some things are right. Even if they seem harsh, maybe, you know, maybe it is right in this situation. I just am very wary of when I see things in the public because those things that becomes like a precedent, you know, Mm. and it affects how other people are treated. And my prayer is that any elders that are disciplining people, or when we start to look at people's humanity, that we're being led by the Holy Spirit and how we discipline them, because God could literally cut us off right away. He's gracious. He's merciful. He gives chances. He allows people to recover. Um, And if you even look and read the word, we don't see people getting cut off or removed from their office. Um, because of a a minor thing. And we actually see the opposite, you know? And so um, I'm just concerned about this generation. I think that, and I'm going to, I know you can, you can cut this up if you want. But, um, <laughs> That's good. I think that our generation is in a place because we are, because we're at the turn of something, like we're, we're changing the guard and things have shifted so much. And so everything is changing. Um, the, there are people that are still trying to hold on to the old way things used to be and are worried about what's happening now. And so I, people look at Maverick and they're like, oh, my God, they have Jordans on their feet or they're wearing Balenciagas. And so that means that they are, you know, money hungry or um, I guess I don't know. Is there a sin about shopping but um but it's you know like they've given themselves and they're not worshiping Jesus because they have expensive shoes we have expensive shoes because we we can afford expensive shoes um and maybe that's a preference and and we like them we also wear like converses and you yeah. know Nike slides and you know Zara and H&M so there's that's not like a full thing but because we can see one thing we go oh no they're not for Jesus and what I think is happening is that there is a culture shift and and Christ has to be relevant in culture right and so um Paul says like to the Romans I become like a Roman like this is this is what we're called to do and so we can see things just like years ago when the TV first came out and it was the one-eyed devil and you couldn't do that thing you know and if you were on TV then you were in sin that's not true we know that now we don't (laughs) think that anymore but in the beginning because people didn't understand it it was such a thing. And so I, anyway, I'm saying that to say, I think that there is somewhat of an overcorrection now for people who want to be pure and remain pure and stay close to Jesus that I think is more sensual, right? And it's about what we see, what we hear, what we feel rather than spiritual, right? And what's going on 
for real. We're not preaching a different gospel. Yeah. These people are not preaching another Jesus. We are preaching the same Jesus, the truth of it. And, you know, denomination, you know, people might think different things about here, here and there, and those things can be discussed. But as it pertains to our faith, what we believe and, you know, the conception of Jesus Christ, you know, uh, we believe the same thing. And I, and I'm just seeing that there's like an overcorrection. So to mm-hmm. make a long story short, yes, I feel the pressure. Um, and sometimes it feels bad, but I am, I understand this comes with the the job. This comes with it. I am not above correction or, you know, any of that. I just, I want to, I want to honor God with my life. And so I hope that people can follow me as a role model. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about you, you were in Forbes magazine and they talked about this, 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 you know, the classic biggie line, more money, more problems, uh, more fame, more problems, more awards, more problems. I, I, do you think that's true? Um, I mean, obviously those things can't solve all your, they can solve some problems, but they make other problems. Yes, I do think that's true. And I thought it, I mean, I could understand it when I was younger, but I didn't, I couldn't understand it like I can understand it now. And I don't think that it has anything to really fully do with the fame. I think that money affords you options Hmm. and it affords you convenience. And those things can war with our souls and it can cause us to be more reliant on ourselves rather than who our source really is. And I think it's interesting that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined Mm -hmm. in the gospels. He talked more about money. And so money is, I think this thing, and it's all like economy, you know how like the stock market is and it goes up and down. It's almost this thing that you can't hold. Like it's not, it's not really real. And that's why like monopoly. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's like even cryptocurrency. And they're like, how is this a thing? Because economy is not something you can hold. It's not money in your hand. It's actually operating on a law and a system that God has set up. And so I believe that money is powerful. It's a way that God has set up the world. And it's so powerful that you will sometimes opt to worship it over him and think yeah. that it is the thing that sustains you. But it is it is a system that he has put in place so that the world can have what it needs. And I believe this is what I believe. I'm not I'm not a prosperity gospel person, um, but I do believe that the Lord wants us to have control of that, that the world might be fed. Right. So that people can get what they need so that his gospel can be preached, so that souls can be saved, so that people can live. It is He does not want us to die. He wants us to live just as he set Joseph up to save the children of Israel. And with that, with Pharaoh's dream, right? That seven years lean, seven years of plenty, right? And he had set it up so that there could be a solution and a plan and an answer. God is a, he's an, he's about answers. And the Bible says money answers all things. You know, I, I just think that we have a twisted view of it because it is scary, you know? And so it's like, when you go to the Grand Canyon, you don't run up to the edge. You are aware, like I could fall off of this thing. And so I think that we should remain in a place and a posture of caution and, and being careful at all times and give it to the Lord. But I don't think that we don't go view the beautiful wonder and like majesty of the Grand Canyon. I think that we should enjoy mm. it, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, as you've said publicly, you know, it hasn't all been easy for you as like, you know, you've, you've had your own journey struggling with depression and you've, and, mm-hmm. and then you write these songs on your album that, so, you know, maybe let's move to there now because you're writing about this human experience. You're writing about, um, 
God in all kinds of parts of the journey. Um, so maybe, maybe as simple as like, why, why now? Why this album now? I mean, you've been writing and singing your whole life. Like, what is it about these songs in this moment for you? I've been working on Journey since, since 2016. I believe the Lord wanted me to release it now because honestly, I think it was about the reach, mm -hmm. um, that this was a time that I could reach the people I needed to reach. And I, I think that it's interesting that we can sometimes raise little ones in Christ to think that life is supposed to be like, it's like a bubble. Do you remember that movie, Bubble Boy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the guy was just like in the bubble living his whole life and his parents were trying to protect him. Finds out, turns out he wasn't even really sick, but like they were just trying to protect him from the actual world. And I think sometimes we raise our children like that. If I'm honest, I think I was sort of raised like that. And in this idealistic, like everything is, you know, but everything is not just all flowers and roses and yeah. smelling dandy. Um, no. there, there's bad. And I don't think that the way to, um, to get rid of it is by ignoring it. Um, and I believe God put us in the world. He put us in our bodies and in it for a reason. And he is enough, you know, mm -hmm. he is enough to get us through that. So for me, it was important to write music and, and put out the music that was real. So I know that there's a perception of me um, in the public that like, oh, she's the good one or she's the, mm -hmm. that's what I hear, you know? She's the good one. She, she doesn't struggle with anything. I can only imagine. Or they'll be like, <laughs> yeah, you went through a bunch of stuff. So like, you're not currently going through anything. You mu like you sing yeah. from a place of passion where your testimony is so great now. But I'm like, no, I'm still walking through things. There are still things that are happening. Like life is still happening and um, good things are happening. <laughs> And bad things are happening and I'm having to walk through those things with Jesus. And I wanted to kill the myth. Like I am not the hero in my story. I am not the one. Jesus is the hero in my story. He's the one that I rely on, that I lean on. And when you see me on a platform and when you see me sing Jaira, right? And, that, and saying God is enough. When you see me singing that I'm already loved that I'm already chosen. When you see me singing, um, great is your faithfulness to me and I'll still bless you. I'm saying that from a place where I, I need to believe it myself. I'm not singing it because everything is good now. And so I believe that my role as a worship leader is to help people worship where they are, not from a place that is beyond them, but I am in there it. too. Yeah. Yes, in it. I think that's how you model behavior. And that allows really Jesus to be our actual worship leader. And we get to co-labor with our brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And be there and go, got it. All right, let's go. You going through? I'm going through too. Let's, mm -hmm. This is how we worship though. I have a, a revelation about worship and someone else may have a, a revelation about family and somebody else may have a re revelation about um, service. And, so, and then we bring all of our revelations together and learn and glean from each other. That is the body of Christ. I have a revelation on worship. I can worship in my deepest, darkest times. And I'm okay with it. Some people can't pull themselves out of the pit to worship. I want to connect with that person and say, hey, here's how you do it. Yeah. Well, and, and what are people saying? I mean, uh, both like, obviously there's, there's a song like Jaira that just like blew up. I don't know when you're in the studio, when you're writing the song, when you're producing the song, are people in the room like, oh, this is, this is a jam. Like this is like, <laughs> do, do, like, did you know, did you know, or, or maybe another way of saying it, like I mean, the Holy Spirit is on this song is maybe a different um, way of saying it. But did you know that that song was going to did you have a feeling like this song's gonna connect with people? 
you know, sometimes we do have those moments where we're looking at each other like, okay, Whoa. this is good, you know? <laughs> um, but I will say for Jaira, I think we were unsure, but excited about mm. it. We were, we, we, we spent 13 hours. We took an hour break. Um, we spent 13 hours in the basement um, writing that song. And it was, it was grueling. It was like enough was enough. You know, we wanted to get out of there. So there's some of that that plays into how you feel about the song. But when we were singing it, it just felt so good. It was like, this is a song I want to sing. I need to sing. And we also wrote Shall Not Want in that same mm -hmm setting and so we literally pieced them together and like separated them out um and it was just about the provision of god and remember we wrote this in the midst of the pandemic where people were losing yes. their jobs left and right and people were struggling and wondering how they were going to pay their bills um and the lord gave us a song about Jaira is enough and not because not just in financial provision but in how much he loves me and if um if he's enough then i'm enough and i don't have to worry about striving to you know what I'm saying so it was just we wanted to write a song that was holistic and and in the room we felt really good about it we did not know I had no grid for it being what it is this. now yeah no idea but I didn't know that promises would do that either we just didn't know we just yeah. didn't know want to interrupt the conversation with Naomi to talk to you about another buzzword, another thing going on in the church right now, this idea about transformation. It can feel like a buzzword, but what does it really look like? One place transformation is so evident is in the stories of former Compassion-sponsored children, graduates or alumni of the Compassion program who are now adults and telling their stories of how sponsorship impacted them. Like Eric, he grew up in the Compassion program in Uganda and Compassion was part of Eric's life right when his family needed it most. His father, the family's only breadwinner, had suddenly passed away and his family became a victim of wealth grabbing, which means his father's family came and took everything from Eric's widowed mother. Eric described it this way. You considered yourself a nobody. You have nothing. And then you received the news that someone is coming in. This was life changing altogether. The evidence of his sponsor Dorothy's impact on his life is evident today. They are even still in touch today, even though he's alone of the program. Child sponsorship changes lives. Transformation. You can find Eric's full story and learn more about child sponsorship at compassion.ca slash if dash only. Compassion.ca slash if dash only. And, and I mean, do you have a story? I mean, I, I imagine like anytime people meet with you, they might tell you like, you know, how the songs are connecting with them um, off of Journey, off of, you know, these other songs you've done with Elevation or Maverick City or, or whatever. Um, you know, do you have any stories or images in your mind of like, these are the people that like I carry with me because of these stories of how these songs have impacted them? You know, um, I, I'm my, the images of the people I have are more imaginary people yes, um, yes. That, that don't exist really, but maybe they do. It's me going, I know that there's a mom out there with three little ones under three and she is in the middle of, you know, of Chaos, her living room exhaustion. going like, I need yeah. you. 
Holy yeah. Spirit, you know, and what song can I give to her? Mind you. So there, it was funny that I said that because there is a woman she's in London. I don't I don't remember her name, but I did. I did get a chance to like we DM a lot. And so and then she's come on my live like I've invited her on my live before with her babies. And they're from um, London, I believe the UK. It's not, yeah. you know, um, but it, it's been good to see those people in my mind. Um, but I get stories back and meet people that I could have never imagined. I, I meet, and I'm talking about from all different cultures, big men with tattoos and look like they're bikers. And they're like, I cry every time I hear your voice. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, um, like stuff I couldn't even imagine. Or, you know, like my, my mom was in a coma for 20 days and all we did was play promises. And my mom woke up and, you know, wow. and now we, and, and, and they're like, and my mom is over here. And then they, we get to see mom. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, you know? Um, and then other stories like, you know, my dad died from COVID. Um, but your songs are what, what we listened to the whole time he was in the hospital, right? He passed away and now your songs keep us and they remind us of his faith and his, mm -hmm. you know, it's like stuff like that, which you would think that it would be like, I would never want to hear that song again, but no, God is using that and using those moments. So they are stuff that we, we do cling to it, but I think we try more to write from a place of like, what is the Lord saying right now? What does he want to say to his children? And what does he want to hear from his children? Um, rather than the stories, but we do carry those stories with them, yeah. with, with us. Well, and, and, uh, you know, as we're, you know, we're kind of coming more to a close here, but you know, what, what do, what do you feel like God is saying? Like, is there in this, you know, here we are 2022, fall 2022 coming up here, September, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is there something that you feel like the Lord is saying right now? Is there a word uh, on your life or as you look out at these, I know you're not touring today, but as you look out over these rooms full of people who are seeking God, what do you think God is saying now to the global church? I believe that the Lord is saying a few things. Number one, I am encouraged when I look out and see the room. So I know a lot of people are not going to church like they used to, yeah. but people are willing to gather and worship, um, worship Jesus. And I think that that in and of itself is a sign of hope for this generation. And and when I look out at these rooms, I'm not just seeing young people. I'm seeing older people. I'm seeing middle aged. I'm seeing like elders. We we did we did a um age call on the tour, and so we had eighty year olds at our concerts. Wow! Yeah. And they weren't just bringing, you know, their their children you know, or their, their grandchildren. Um, I went to a restaurant after one of the shows and there was a couple, they were in their 70s and they had just come to to the, the concert. And I was like, what? Why did y'all? Then she was like, we love y'all. We love what you're doing. We believe mm -hmm. what God is doing in the church. You know, so that's what I've seen, right? And as I've seen it, I feel like the Lord has confirmed it. Like, hey, have hope because I'm still moving. I'm still working. And the people, I'm like, my sheep still know my voice and they still yes. want to worship me. Um, And he's shifting things. And I do believe that people are coming back even into churches. But I know personally that I have an apostolic call to to call people to the truth of God, not, not celebrity, not humanity, not what we see going on here because this culture is very, um, very focused on celebrity. 
And I feel like the Lord is dealing with that. And he, and this is why we're seeing people fall and we're seeing people's humanity. We're seeing it because it has to be about him above anything else. Um, and I believe that God is um, changing the guard and that this, this season of intercessors and um, sorry, not this season, but these the intercessors and worship leaders and worshipers and people that are just really interested in the things of God in this season should be there to guard, govern and guide the generals that are being raised up. And I believe that God is raising up a group of people that will really move and walk in miracles, signs and wonders. And not just that, but have a message for this generation, for this wicked and evil and perverse generation that is pure, that is honest, but that is compelling. And so we are to, I almost feel like we're supposed to create the actual bedrock and foundation for them to actually be cultivated in a way that honors the Lord. And it's going to take ingenuity. It's going to take creativity and it's going to take the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be like what was before. And I really believe God is bringing things back around. Holiness is making a comeback, you know, um, (laughs) you know, um, and it's and it's I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. We live in a crazy generation, but the Lord is raising up people after his heart um, to lead um, in this time. And so that's what the Lord's been speaking to me um, lately about this generation and about the world that we don't have to be worried about the people. We don't have to be worried about the state of the church. And it's bigger than the state of the church as an institution. And when we say that sometimes, I felt like the like I felt like the Lord was grieved by the way we say that as if the church is our business that we own, mm. you know, rather than his bride and his people. You know what I mean? Like it's not ours and it's not about our reputation. It's not it is us. It's literally his people. And I think we have to shift our view on how we look at the church as this like institution and this thing that we own. And, and it's more, it's his, it's, this is his person. It's the way I would look at my daughter as opposed to somebody that works for me, my employee, yeah. which in all honesty, you should really look at your employees with respect. So um, yeah. that's oh, just I what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and of course, like as we talk about all the time on this podcast, uh, like this digital thing and certainly during COVID when stuff shut down and digital was sort of all we had for a while, it did change and shift a lot of things. But that also means it gives people access. Like, like when I think of like some of like um, the content, the media, the ministry you're doing, there's this whole digital opportunity of like millions of people being able to access what they couldn't have accessed before in terms of discovering this music, having like a worship time over YouTube with like joining you. Like it's powerful. What could be possible? Like it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. It's changing for sure. Yeah. Now just as, now just as like maybe like a, a last kind of fun question would just simply be, if you weren't doing what you're doing, if you weren't singing, you weren't writing, what would be your job? Okay. I don't know why I did that. I'm like, okay. So (laughs) if I wasn't singing and writing right now, what I would be doing is I would probably be a naturopathic doctor. Oh, interesting. Yes. I'm very into like natural remedies and helping people feel good and crunching up little barks and stuff and putting it <laughs> on your cut to heal it and figuring out, oh, what does that little mushroom yeah. do? And, you know, I'm very into that. I, I really believe in like natural holistic um, 
remedies and cures. And I think that's a part of my calling is to help heal, you know, and to help people come into the fullness of their lives and allow their bodies to do like our bodies were made to do so much, you know, and be so resort, uh, res- what is it when resilient. Their bodies are resilient? Yes. Thank you. We're so re- much more resilient than I think we believe. And our food is terrible. So um, I'm just like, Mm, and I may still go back to school and do it. So well, probably when I get older, I'm, I really want it. I love that because, I mean, I thought you were going to say you were going to run a restaurant, be a shit, because you've gone to culinary school. So I, I so, but that's it. interesting. I see the connection between the two because our food can be like medicine. Um, yes. But that like you're thinking about the your holistic and, and that's I'm sure that plays out even when you think about worship leading, how you use your body, how you care for your body. Yeah, definitely. And I try to do it, which is why I've been like grieved. I told you earlier, I'm getting on my own case um, and trying to like eliminate, eliminate a lot of stress, um, the stress that I can eliminate. Right. And and eat healthier and do a better job because you literally like I want to be able to give God my all everything, not just the song, not just my vocal cords, my body. And when I praise him and worship, I want to be able to go as long as I can, jumping up and down and doing the things, you know, and not be winded and tired. And I I believe that how I treat my body is an act of worship as well. And so I'm really, you know, we could go, I can go on for days. You know, I, I'm a thinker and I like to research yeah, so things. But even some of the issues that we find with people, a lot of drug issues. And I think a lot of this stuff is really linked, even stress, depression, anxiety. I think it's linked to the food that we eat. It's mm-hmm. it's what we're consuming. It's not just spiritual or like you're like the person is like in such bad sin. I think that people are trying to feel better because our bodies physically feel terrible. And when we, you know, when we start to care about what we put in our bodies, which is also, you know, it matters. I think, I think when we start to care about that stuff, then we'll start to feel better and maybe not need as many vices and leanings, you know, to the left or to the right. I know that the Holy Spirit, I have multiple accounts from different people, you know, Priscilla Shire. Yeah. You know, yeah, she's been on the her. podcast. Yes. How beautiful her hair is. The Holy Spirit told her, to listen to the doctor, like go to the doctor about her hair and listen to the doctor about what he was going to say about her hair. And when she listened and stopped getting perms, as the doctor said, her hair began to grow. And I think that that's something that allows her to stand out even as a minister. It's something that's remarkable about her, right? And you remember it. I think it helps her. I know as a black young woman, I look at her, I look up to her partially because of how beautiful her hair is. I know that's silly, but when you see something that's beautiful and that's wonderful, like God can use little things and it seems like insignificant, but I still think the Holy Spirit is using those things to bring glory to who he is and to, and to move us into a state of health that allows us not to do things that cause other issues. Well, Naomi, if people want to find more of you, find your music, where, where do you want to send them on the internet or to social media? Where do you want to point people today? Let's see. Um, no, I, I want to take people to Instagram. Um, I'm on Instagram under Naomi Rain, R-A-I-N-E. And also my YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Um, that's also, I think it's the Naomi Rain. So T-H-E-N-A-O-M-I-R-A-I-N-E. Um, I've got a TikTok, Facebook, all the things, but I'm like mostly on Instagram and YouTube and you can get to know me and we can like chat and do the things. So Amazing. Naomi, it's been so fun to chat. Thank you for your, your thinking, your theology, uh, your passion, uh, 
you know, can't wait, can't wait to get everybody getting your music in their ears. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Joanna. And it's been really easy and fun to talk to you. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for putting up with me on my things. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much, Naomi, for your time and opening up season nine of the podcast with us. Next week on the podcast, we have Gary Thomas. You may know him because he sold over 2 million books like Sacred Pathways and Sacred Marriage. So can we talk to him next week? Thanks so much to our sponsors for season nine. Compassion Canada is back, lifting children from poverty. Scripture Untangled is a new podcast I want you to check out and serve HQ. Train your ministry volunteers, leaders, and new members online Fast and easy with Serve HQ. Links to all this is down in the show notes, including links to our YouTube channel, tutorials, or back catalog of podcasts, all kind of resources for you. And I'll see you day to day on the Digital Church Facebook group where we're connecting, we're sharing ideas, we're asking questions. Some people are even finding new jobs that way. So see you online and see you next week with Gary Thomas.